Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. John Breach is with us, CBSSports.com, Pick Six Podcast. Um, the Lions have been very good. The Lions with the win over the Packers in Green Bay. Uh, is notable, as is the win against Kansas City. Uh, what kind of a category do you put them in? Uh, I would put them in the category that they're probably one of the top five teams in the NFC. I, I mean, look, it's weird because every year, anytime the Lions have ever been good, they get hyped up during the offseason, then they kind of fall on their face and they don't end up being good. I mean, we're talking about a team that hasn't won a playoff game in more than 30 years, but they've kind of lived up to this pressure so far. They could have gone to Kansas city and got blown out. No, they won. Uh, their only loss was an o- overtime one to the Seahawks. So this team could very easily be four and O and they dominated the Falcons. They really dominated the Packers. They're going to have 10 days off going into this game on Sunday against Carolina. So it's just that Jared Goff, I think, is probably one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and he really makes that offense go. And and uh, it's really surprising how dominant they've been. I think people expected them to be good, but maybe not this good. All right, let, let me just drill down a little bit on a little bit more on Jared Goff. So when he the Rams trade him to the Lions for Matthew Stafford, uh, they were excited to get rid of Jared Goff and his contract. Uh, Sean McVay had, uh, for people who have been paying attention, essentially held his hand at the line of scrimmage. The The report was that he was actually calling the plays in his into his helmet when he could see whatever adjustments needed to be made at the line of scrimmage. Basically, Jared Goff, you are just the mechanism through which I I am directing this offense. So he, he basically it was he just they just trashed Jared Goff. Uh, and his reputation as a quarterback. How did that get rebuilt in Detroit? Well, I think one of the things is that Sean McVay felt that Jared Goff had kind of reached the ceiling and got to the highest point he could in McVay's offense. And look, when you're holding your quarterback's hand, it's like when you have your kid on one of those leashes. Like eventually you have to let your kid go out and explore and, and scrape their knees and, and get into trouble. You can't just be helicoptering them their whole life. And so, I think that's what we're kind of seeing in Detroit. Yes, uh, there were a lot of struggles during that first year, but I think that's to be expected. And Goff has slowly gotten better in each season that he's been with the Lions as he's gotten to grasp this offense more. And so uh, that's what we've seen is this. The Lions have said, all right, we trust you. Uh, year one, we know we don't have high expectations this year. And I think that last year was that season where they said, all right, this is where we have to decide if Goff is our quarterback of the future uh, or if he's not. And he, they, they went nine and eight. They almost made the playoffs. And I think that was their, all right, this is our guy and he can lead us. So that's where we are. And he's not, his hand's not being held anymore. I think that's a good thing for him. Yeah. And we don't want to put kids on leashes. I'm, I'm not saying that John uh, puts children on leashes, but uh, <laughs> we don't want to put kids on leashes. Uh, you know, maybe in a car seat, something, uh, something like that. Um, did the Bills have the Bills overcome themselves after their week one inexplicable 
careless loss to the Jets? I do think that. I think the Bills just got, I don't want to say they underestimated the Jets because it was the opener and you're always fired up for your opener. But we're talking about a Jets team that I, I think almost after Aaron Rodgers went down, it became this giant chip on their shoulder that we need to win this game. We need to win it because uh, it's Monday night, New York. Aaron Rodgers just got injured and we are not going to lose. And, and the Jets just looked Hellbent. I mean, I don't think we'll see them play a better game this season, even though they look decent against the Chiefs. Yeah. And, and so I think the Bills walked out of that game shell-shocked, kind of like, wow, what happened? Josh Allen played horribly, had multiple turnovers, and it really felt like the coaching staff kind of sat him down and said, Josh, look, just stop turning the ball over. Play within the confines of this offense, and we can win games because we have a good roster. And now what we have is – a team that has won three straight games by at least 28 points. And if that happens again, we haven't seen the team win four straight games by at least 28 points since 1942. So that's the kind of uh, domination that the Bills have been. And they look really good, and I think they're one of the top three teams in the AFC right now. I mean, they might be the top team in the AFC. I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, you make the argument that Chiefs maybe should have lost to the Jets. Uh, but, I mean, that's how good they are. They figured out a way. Zach Wilson actually looked halfway decent, especially in the second half. Uh, but, I mean... Buffalo has looked every bit the part. I still think that it matters who you play. And uh, against the Dolphins, a team coming off hanging 70 on the Broncos, uh, maybe it was a little, maybe Miami was a little bit uh, ripe to get uh, to get hammered, but uh, that was a very impressive win. Uh, you are much younger than I, John Breach, CBSSports.com, uh, but I remember a time where Dallas versus San Francisco was it. It was the game in, you know, certainly in the NFL, but you could argue it was the game in pro sports. It was Yankees-Red Sox uh, back when both of those teams were good. Um, Dallas and San Francisco are going at it again this weekend on Sunday night, and I think San Francisco is significantly better because to me, Dallas has basically taken advantage of three bad teams to compile their uh, all of their gaudy statistics in a three and one record. Uh, but how do you see this game? Uh, I think this is going to be a very interesting game. You know, you mentioned the rivalry, how big it was, starting really with the catch uh, at the yeah. end of the 1981 season, and then things heated up in the mid 90s uh, when you had your your Dion era when he played for both teams and won them both Super Bowls. Uh, but this, and now they played in the playoffs the last two seasons. So this rivalry is really starting to heat up again. And I think this is a fascinating game because you have Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator. Nobody knows how to defend Kyle Shanahan's system more than Dan Quinn. I mean, Kyle Shanahan spent two years on Dan Quinn's staff in right. Atlanta. And what we saw uh, last year in the playoffs, the 49ers only scored 19 points. That's the only time they've been held under 20 uh, since Brock Purdy became the full-time starter. And I do think that has a lot to do with the fact that Dan Quinn knows how to slow down uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense. And that was Christian McCaffrey's worst game. And so I, I think that if the Cowboys can make this a low-scoring game, that they can win. And so I think they have a puncher's chance. I don't think that the 49ers are going to go out and dominate this just because of that familiarity uh, between Quinn and Shanahan. And so I, I could see the Cowboys winning it. I just think they have more. This game means more to the Cowboys, it feels like, than the 49ers. And not, not to say the 49ers don't want to stay in the feed and they want to win every week. It just feels like they've lost two straight to the 49ers in the playoffs. 
feel like they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. But it is in San Francisco, so I'd probably give the 49ers a little edge. All right, two more games before we let John Breach go, one of which I know is close to you. The Bengals are at the Cardinals. Good time to be playing the Cardinals. Would it also be a good time for Joe Burrow to kind of sit out for a few games because he is obviously not healthy, and why are the Bengals doing that with such a good quarterback? Yeah, I think that they should have done it earlier in the season, yeah. but I think at this point it is that ship has sailed. You're riding Burrow, and uh, eventually you get to a point, maybe you fall to 1-7, and seven and you're like, all right, well, we can just bench Joe the rest of the season because this, this, this season's over. I think that now you're four weeks in, you're 1-3, and three, you're, you're two games away from the bye, and you have to be thinking at this point, let's just get to the bye. And look, Joe Burrow said on Wednesday, this is a must-win game, and it really feels like that because you don't want to drop to 1-4. and four. Very few teams get to the postseason after dropping to 1-4. and four. Uh, But the Bengals' offense just looks completely out of sorts. It's not just Burrow. It's uh, the play calling. I think a lot of this needs to fall on Zach Taylor. I mean, you look at what they did the first drive against the Titans. They drove straight down the field. They were running the ball. I think Joe Mixon was averaging like five yards per carry right. on that first drive. And Zach Taylor decided, you know what, let's just not run the ball anymore and put that ball. Or let's just let our hobbled quarterback throw the ball a bunch of times. So I think it's a little bit of everything. I think we will see something completely different. And I do think they're going to go out there and beat the Cardinals because the, the team has not played two bad offensive games in a row, really, uh, since Burrow took over as quarterback. Here's the thing. Uh, I don't, is Jeff Blake the backup quarterback? Who's the backup quarterback for uh, for Cincinnati? It is. You get the initials right. It's Jake Browning. You can't If you put him in there, you're, you're giving up on the season. <laughs> uh, you can't beat the Cardinals without Joe Burrow? You're sort of playing the Cardinals without Joe Burrow now. Adam, have you watched the Cardinals at all this season? They're, they're destroyed the Cowboys. They must beat the 49ers. This team is crazy. All right. Uh, you're probably right. I probably uh, am, am underestimating uh, the Arizona Cardinals. All right. Now to <laughs> now to the Commandos. Because, I, honestly, I didn't know who the um, who the backup was. That's I'm trying to think who was just released by the Bengals who didn't make their practice oh, squad. Uh, Reed Sennett. Or Reed Sennett. Oh, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I think he's an attorney in uh, in Raleigh right now. That, a, sounds, that sounds right. Yeah, it certainly does. All right, so the Bears are the hottest mess in the NFL. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I hundred percent agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I so how do they continue to get this wrong? It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable because it goes back. It, it's all the front office. The it goes up to the ownership. That's the problem here is that no matter who they put in charge, uh, you put a general manager in place, the general manager picks a head coach, and then that head coach fails. And it's just been this cycle of failure that's really gone back about a decade. And so I'm not sure how you fix this if you're the Bears because there's no good way to fix it. If uh, you know, There's been some speculation that maybe Everfluss gets fired if the Bears lose tonight. And so if you do that – then you're going to bring a new coach who probably doesn't want Justin Fields. And then you get the number one pick and you take Caleb Williams and then you start this whole thing over. So it's just been a disaster, really, I would say, since Mark Trestman was coach. And that was back in 2013. So I'm not sure how you fix this, Adam. I am not sure how you fix this. Mark Trestman, last I checked, uh, a Raleigh resident. So he might be listening. So. One of the smartest, one of the smartest football people I have ever, ever spent time with. 
Um, just got stuck in Chicago in a bad organization. That's bad organizations make you worse. That's that, what that's what happens. That you just described the Bears, you described the Jets. Sadly, I think you described the Panthers as well. Um and right now the best case scenario for the Bears is they lose and the Panthers lose because they have Carolina's f- number uh first draft pick this in this upcoming draft. Uh, Bears could go 1-2. If they did, would they go Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., or would they take both quarterbacks uh, just to make sure they get it right? I do think there is definitely an argument made to made for that, even though some people think it'd be crazy to take two quarterbacks. It but would. You don't have a, but you don't have a quarterback until you have a quarterback. You know, right. so like... <laughs> It's, you got to keep finding that guy, and the Bears have been searching for a guy since Jim McMahon, Sid Luckman. I mean, it has been decades. So, I mean, I would I would do crazy stuff if I had to buy with the Bears. But I do think uh, Caleb Williams will be the obvious pick if they're number one overall. So, be bye bye Justin Fields. You trade him away, uh, and then number two, I would definitely lean Marvin Harrison. But then you're listening to phone calls because you're you know other teams are saying, hey, Drake May is yeah. there, and so that becomes a valuable pick. So I think the Bears would love to have the top two picks. Uh, and obviously everyone in Carolina would hate that because that means the Panthers had a horrible season. But, hey, both teams are on 4 so it's absolutely in play at this point. Oh, it is 100% in play. John Breach, CBSSports.com, Pick 6 Podcast. I, I, I appreciate your time, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yep, thanks for having me, Adam. You got it, John Breach here on the Adam Gold Show. And that's the other part of all of this, is that the Panthers know, all right, this season, which is what what makes it even more disturbing about the way all of this is shook it shooken? I know they shake up my vocabulary Excuse me. too. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Uh what what makes it all even more disturbing is that it's been a bad start and there's nonsense conversation about trading assets for a top tier wide receiver. I don't know who you're going to get. First of all, what is the definition of a top tier wide receiver? Um, and I know uh, we just talked about the Bengals, right? The Bengals are in a, in a bad way, yeah. Right now, Joe Burrow's playing on one leg. He's not even. He's not Joe. But should change his name. He's not playing like Joe Burrow, but playing on one on a bad leg. He shouldn't have started the opener. He probably should have been uh, sitting the first two games of the season. He aggravated the injury uh, in I think the second game uh, of the season. So now he's played four games. He's been physically compromised. I think it's easier for defenses, and they played some good defenses, it's easier for defenses to prepare for a quarterback. Oh, he's not mobile? Oh, he wants to get rid of the ball right away? Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about this part of the field? So much easier to defend a quarterback that right now is playing like Joe Burrow. But at some point, they might get to the situation where, oh, yeah, the, the year is trash. Can you get T. Higgins from San, San, uh, from Cincinnati? Is T. Higgins what the Panthers need? Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? 
about 90%, give the money, and then we meet every year and, and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. I don't, I look at T. Higgins as more, I, I could be wrong about this, He's a better version of Adam Thielen for me, at least at this stage. The way Thielen has played, it's hard to say that T. Higgins is a better version of that. But I don't see Higgins as the take the top off the defense dynamic player. I see him as a great number two. So you're still looking for the number one. And what do you have to give up to get T. Higgins anyway? Although Higgins is going into a contract year, so if the Bengals fall out of it, and we're still, what, like three weeks away from the trade deadline, if the Bengals fall out of it, can you get T. Higgins for, oh, I don't know, a third-round pick? But again, here are the Panthers trading away futures if you could sign T. Higgins, if you could afford to sign, and the whole thing's complicated. Uh, bottom line is, and this goes back to before Matt Rule, they have made so many mistakes year after year after year after year that they've always tried to rectify the mistake, but they have rectified the mistake with another mistake. Yeah. Or a bigger mistake they're just compounding them giving a second round pick for sam darnold wow so bad right so they didn't give up much for baker mayfield that's the hey it's worth the risk yeah what did they give up a fourth round pick for baker mayfield right it wasn't much yeah so that's that's a risk you're willing to take but now without a one how do you give up anything of value why would we give up anything of value anyway because what are we fighting for this year we're not going to be competitive right. even if we made it to the playoffs you know what did john breach talk about bad organization the bears right mm-hmm. so what we talked about yesterday teams win games organizations win championships the panthers have to learn how to be a good organization and a good organization would assess their team right now and go yeah not good uh we need a lot of help so let's not even think about trying to win today. I'm not saying they're not trying to win today. They are. Do the best you can. Somehow, somehow, without Bryce Young, Steve Wilkes managed to win a bunch of games at the end of the season. He did. Right? So there's no reason the Panthers can't mix in a few wins here and there, even with a rookie quarterback, even without a good running game, even with mediocre at best wide receivers after Adam Thielen. But they have to assess this honestly, and I am having a hard time feeling the honesty coming out of Midstreet. Oh, yeah. So, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.